Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Thank you so much for being here today. We are excited about this episode of Move Like This, where we get to talk to Ariana Savoka. She is the Human Resources Manager at Grassy. And thank you for being here today, Ariana. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Before we dive into specifics, I'd love to hear what you think makes Grassy unique in public accounting. Yeah, that's a great question, Bonnie. Um, and first and foremost, I'd like to say that I've actually been with the firm for just about five years now, which is half of my experience in my career in public accounting so far. So I think that kind of speaks for itself. And some of these things are the reasons why I continue to be with the firm um, and enjoy my time here so much. In an industry where we're seeing lots of mergers and acquisitions happening almost every day, we're being updated with these transactions. Grassy is unique in the fact that we are continuing to stand on our own, focus on our own organic growth, and continue to look at firms and practices that we would like to join us in the future. So I think that's really important to note. In addition to that, our people, right? A very simple answer. Grassy is 43 years old and was started back in 1980 by Luke Grassy himself. And over the course of those 43 years, the firm has grown to over 500 people. And a large part of that growth has actually happened during my tenure here, um, which it's been really exciting to be a part of those transactions, bring some new practices and new locations into the firm and and spend time working with all of those new people. So it's been really great. In connection with that growth, we've now got team members located all throughout the U.S., as well as internationally in both Italy and India. So again, our reach is just continuing to grow each and every day. We do place a significant amount of time and effort into our people and make sure that they receive the learning, um, the opportunities and the support that they need as professionals, but also as people. We provide a lot of focus on aligning our staff to the right jobs, opportunities, projects, and engagements, specifically based on not just their goals, but also their skill sets and talents. And we do also place a lot of focus on the individual, their growth, and helping provide them with a structured path to success, you know, whatever that looks like. Everyone learns differently, grows differently, has different interests. We want to make sure we really tailor that experience for each of our employees. Oh, that's great. You you talk about the time and investment into your employees. And we understand from your survey and our conversations with the Accounting Move Project that Grassy provides a wealth of training and mentoring for its team members, including around leadership, rotational assignments, and coaching, as you mentioned, as employees kind of move into higher positions with the firm. So I'd love to hear you talk about why the firm invests so heavily in these programs and the impact that they're having on the firm and the individuals within it. It's a great question. I personally believe, and it's also the firm's belief, that training and mentoring are two of the most critical programs to keep any organization alive, right? At Grassi, we offer both of these things, both formally and informally. We've invested a great deal of time and effort um, and resources into this over the last, well, actually over the years in general, but an even heavier focus is I myself am I'm very involved in learning and development here at the firm. So I can also talk about some of the things that I've done personally, along with some leaders here to continue to enhance these processes over time. As accountants and advisors, technical training is obviously of the utmost importance at Grassy. Keeping up with 
changes, you know, not just changes in the world, but changes in the regs, the standards as they stand for each of our various service lines is very important for all of our professionals. Grassy, of course, offers a great deal of technical training to all of our team members year-round. We've got a couple of annual events that we do, as well as some smaller-scale learning webinars and the like all of the time. You know, we invest so much time into these programs because we really strive to provide our employees with the tools they need to excel on their engagements. And again, as I mentioned before, just as they're growing up through the firm here, and we want to give them that foundation that they need to also win and grow business in the market. That's also something that helps sustain our organization and keep us growing in all that. Mentorship is actually, personally, one of my favorite things. I've actually been a mentee and now in the last five years, a mentor to college students. So I think firsthand knowing how important mentorship is and what that does for the people, both people in the relationship, not just the mentee, being involved in the mentorship process here at the firm is something that's very important to me. And it's also something that the firm takes very seriously as well. Aside from the informal mentor-mentee pairs that just grow out of relationships, you know, that just kind of naturally happen within teams. We do also have some formal mentoring programs. So our peer partner program, um, which is aligned with performance management, it aligns with our leaders at the firm with staff members to meet all throughout the year to talk about feedback they receive, whether formally or, or informally. Um, you know, we have two evaluation cycles throughout the year, discuss constructive feedback, discuss their goals for the future. You know, the CPA is obviously something that's a goal of almost everybody that works here that's client facing. So that's very often spoken about something that is very important for people to discuss as well. We also do provide everyone who joins the firm, no matter what role, with a peer mentor who's kind of someone that's their level going on their team that kind of helps them adapt to the firm, learn best practices, settle in, just get used to the way that we do things here. So training and mentorship, you know, are initiatives that we will continue to invest time, effort, funds into over time. And we're always looking for additional ways that we can pair up team members to work with and learn from one another, including a voluntary mentoring program um, within our Grassy Women's Council, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later in our conversation, which is an ERG that I can proudly say that I brought to life. Uh, it was one of my first things that I did here um, when I joined the firm. So we're, we're kind of looking for a way to structure in a mentoring program within that initiative, as well as other initiatives at the firm as well, because then those mentoring processes can actually have specific focuses as well, not just say, you know, we have mentoring and it kind of laser focuses some of the goals and things into those programs. So we can definitely talk more about that as well. Well, let's do that. I understand you're the leader of Grassy's Women's Council, but that's just one of many employee resource groups that you have at the firm. So first, tell me about what the Women's Council does and how it impacts the firm decisions at all levels. And then second, I'd love to hear more about your approach to ERGs in general and some of the other ones you may have. Yes. So I cannot say that the idea of women's networking, mentoring, and the idea of an ERG came just out of my brain. I've actually been a part of a number of women's groups actually since I started out as a young tax person um, in my very first year in public accounting. I was actually brought to a meeting by a senior manager. I worked at Ernst & Young at the time. And she said, come to this meeting with me and take take the notes for the whole group. And I sat down kind of in the corner of the room. We were in a boardroom and I just was looking at the, the board table with all of these very like impressive and, and smart, talented ladies. And it turned out that they were part of the Financial Women's Association of Long Island, which is a, a group external to Grassy that 
I have been a member of since that very first year, 2014. And that's really where I learned a lot about women's empowerment, advancement, networking, education, and all of the above, really. So my passion for being a part of that group is what I brought to my firm. So when I got here in 2019, I actually, you know, as a brand new person, sat down with some key leaders, including our CFO at the time. And I said, do we have a women's group here? And her answer to me was, we did, but we don't have anyone who's been able to strongly lead the charge mm-hmm. since then. And I kind of said, okay, well, I would like to change that. And what can I do without getting in trouble or straying too much from my role and, and you know, kind of adding this in, into my roster and, and what I work on here? Because employee engagement and the whole employee experience is very important to me. And I can talk about that a little bit more later as well. And this is a huge part of that. So that year, we actually did a little bit of a traveling roadshow. We went to all of our physical office locations and we had breakfast with any ladies who wanted to join us. And I basically sat down and said to them, what do you want to see from this group? What does having this resource and ERG at the firm mean to you? And what would you like to see out of it? My plan was to kind of just see what they said and take it and run from there, from those meetings, we we did create a steering committee and we selected women from across the firm, across the service lines, across the offices, kind of adding a nice variety in there to make sure that we kind of encapsulated everybody to get their feedback and help have help, you know, driving the charge. Because me by myself, you know, I have my own style and way of doing things, but I wanted variety. I wanted to hear from everybody the things that they wanted to do. And my goal, by the way, is to just revamp that group year after year so that we can continue to bring in new women and new ideas. So that's kind of like the basis of where this started. I do want to tell you a little bit about our purpose and vision, just from a formal standpoint, so that that can be shared as well. Our purpose and vision of the Grassi Women's Council is to accelerate the success of women at Grassi by empowering those employees to act as leaders and supporting them during each phase of their careers. Our mission statement is, The mission of the Grassi Women's Council is to strengthen the personal and professional development of all women at Grassi. Each day, we strive to foster an environment that promotes and supports diversity and inclusion for all employees. We encourage the advancement of women at the firm through mentorship, networking, and education. And we are dedicated to developing leaders by establishing essential connections within our firm and building the most effective teams. So I proudly created that and we launched that to the firm. Once we had our steering committee, our beautiful logo and all of our formal things in place all the way back in 2019. So that's kind of how things started and and the purpose of what we were doing. And I know you had asked about the values and goals of this group. All of those things absolutely feed into decision-making and initiatives firm-wide. We've always been focused on recruiting efforts that are diverse, unbiased, and zoned in on just reaching more people, more talent, removing any barriers that could exist, and always, always, always welcoming you know, offering a welcoming and inclusive environment to anybody that joins our team. And and even if they don't join our team, even if we just have those initial conversations and they don't choose to come to us, we still want to make sure that they feel that welcoming um, and inclusive environment from our interactions. A couple more things. We're super focused on education, um, networking, and supporting one another within the council. Some of the things that we've done include golf events, networking events, virtual learning events, and also book club, which was a new addition this year that everyone loved. So that was super fun. Uh, And it was also super fun to try to fit that in amongst all the deadlines and things that we have going on throughout the year. So that was quite a task, but we managed to do three book club events. So that was great. And other things, you know, this this month, um, actually a couple of people know, we're in November now, but last week we held 
a breast cancer awareness event with a clinician from Northwell. You know, we also survey our team members to learn about what's important to them and what they want to see more of. So that's a little bit about G- GWC. And I know you mentioned, you know, the importance of ERGs, which I do want to just address that for a minute as well. ERGs are so important because they bring together people who have shared experiences, shared values or characteristics, and allows them to strengthen relationships, promote personal and professional growth and belonging. Just examples of things that we have here, we've got our women's ERG, a DEIB-focused ERG, and also Working Parents Network. So again, we've been growing these things formally over time. They've existed informally, but I think adding structure um, and formal process to each of those groups really adds a lot. And ERGs in general should, if they're done right, feed into an organization's roles of DEIB because they also increase cultural and other awarenesses. And again, it invites employees with commonalities to come together, support each other, and feel like they're contributing, not just to each other, but to the organization as a whole. It has this notion of making things or making something a better place, you know, and contributing to the organization aside just from the actual, like, tangible work that they do. It also has positive impacts on employee re- recruitment and retention, which I'm sure there's statistics and things to support that. That's, you know, I won't go too much into that, but just creating a healthier and happier work environment as well. I think that's great. And I am seeing more and more firms creating and supporting ERGs, which is just absolutely, I've, I've not heard any negative on it. You know, and, and yeah, it takes time. It takes effort and energy and a little bit of budget here and there, but the benefits to the firm are just incredible from everything that we've seen in this year's move report and just in our conversations with firms. So I think it's great that you're doing that. Thank you. Another area I wanted to chat about is pay equity, which it's one of the areas where we have focused on since uh, moves inception in 2010. And we are happy to see that fair pay policies are embraced and supported at Grassy, of course. But based on your survey results, you equip firm managers with coaching and communication tools needed to ensure pay discussions and decisions are consistent and fair. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the inception and evolution of your approach to pay equity and how it's impacted retention specifically at Grassy. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a, an ongoing hot topic for years and years and years. So it's it's a great question. Fair and equal pay policies have always been implemented at Browsley. Let me just say that up front. HR meets twice annually with all niche and service line leaders here to discuss compensation, market research that we're constantly gathering throughout the year, and any adjustments to be made if applicable. So we're always having those conversations and always coaching them on how to deliver that information. Also, as I mentioned, we do conduct as well as participate in consistent research and surveys throughout the year to make sure that our compensation offerings are competitive, fair, and within market range. So that's quite a big task and process that we participate in as well. We do also provide those managers through partners with training and tools that they need to ensure that pay discussions and decisions stay consistent and fair. So that also takes quite a bit of time and effort. Always weave those concepts into our discussion with the leaders. We're going through things with them as well. As I mentioned, we do have two cycles throughout the year. So we are always talking about this. And so my boss and I actually laugh. We're, we're like, we just finished that cycle. And we're into the next one. And it's it's something that we're constantly working on. So it's always at the forefront of our minds. 
Also, our focus on pay equity and competitive compensation structures also continue to positively impact our retention and CROSSI. You know, one of the unique facts about the firm is also that we have those two performance cycles per year, which not only gives employees, you know, two chances for compensation adjustments, but it also gives them two chances for potential promotion as well. So again, it's you're constantly being evaluated um, instead of waiting a, a full 12 months, which again, my joke is always, it's hard for HR, it's good for everybody else. It's truly a wonderful fact about the firm um, and a wonderful opportunity for our staff. They are really assessed individually. Sometimes when a company is really large, they assess people at the same level, almost as a group. So we really do take the time to evaluate and assess performance as an individual and then continue, you know, to offer those opportunities to grow and learn more based on their performance and contributions to the firm. Yeah. So many times it's such a big project to take on and and it's easy for pay inequities kind of sneak in here and there particularly if managers and directors aren't trained in how to look for that and how to prevent that so i love that you have a real focus on that and i think evaluations twice a year is a great thing it's hard to wait sometimes a year to hear how am i doing and it's also if changes need to be made or adjustments or improvements. Waiting a year sometimes is a long time for things that could go awry, frankly. I like the fact that you're doing that twice a year. I think that's great. Yeah. So what advice do you have for other firms that are looking to expand their talent pipeline and attract and retain more women? I think that my first answer to that would be create a women's network. And my second answer would be create some ERGs because I think team members are out there who are passionate about this type of work. And this is a type of work. It might not be the the type of work that you do every single day, but it is another aspect to your day at work and get those people involved. I am always so excited when new people join the firm and someone brings someone to me and says, this person was involved in this at their old firm and they want to talk to you and they want to get involved. You know, another thing that I proudly created is our Grassy Gives Back program, which is our firm-wide volunteerism initiative, where we've formally done this for the last two years, but we've always been volunteering. This firm is so big on giving back time and effort and funds to our local communities. But we've had almost over 200 volunteers participate on those three days of giving for the last two years. It speaks for itself the way that our people want to get involved. So just finding people who are passionate about those things and getting them involved in the process, that's first and foremost. Second would be updating your recruiting and talent strategies, you know, making sure that DEIB is woven into all of those policies, making sure that you have DEIB statements and accommodation statements and, and postings, recruiting materials, making all of those things transparent, conducting structured interviewer training. You'd be surprised how many people don't know how to properly conduct an interview, don't know the things that you can and cannot say, making sure that you alleviate biases from any conversations and also create a standardized process for hiring. That's very, very important. Also, just making sure you you remove any bias from the hiring process, reconsidering language, interview questions, an applicant tracking system, which will always help with the process. And then also just on the topic of DEIB, which while I've spoken about it many times, I do not consider myself to be even remotely close to an expert. I'm just someone who's trying to learn more every day about the topic and and understand not just the technical side of things, but also people's impressions of DEIB over time, but implementing that and weaving that into your organization. So if you can get leadership to authentically commit to those types of initiatives, the success will speak for itself. It's one of those things that has to be organic or natural, or it it just won't work. So 
you'll continue to see people kind of flourish over time, you know, and this doesn't come without a price. There are resources, time and money and, and other things as well that have to be invested in those types of processes to achieve those goals. So I don't say it lightly. There's a lot of things people can do to expand their talent pipeline um, and, and retra- attract and retain talent, but it takes a lot to do so. Yeah. But it's well worth the effort. As somebody that lives in that space quite a bit of my time, it's pretty amazing to look at some of the recent surveys and statistics that show that Gen Z will leave a job if they feel like promises are being made that particularly around DEIMB, that, you know, if the firm's making promises that they're not delivering on, if it's sort of a facade of, yeah, we care, but then nothing is ever done. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that is well worth the investment and incredibly important to creating a culture that shows you care about everybody. I I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny that you mentioned generational differences. I actually last year sat on a panel for the AICPA about generational differences and how they impact the accounting industry as a whole. What an interesting conversation. And I've actually shared that topic with so many people in industry because I think everybody should be having those conversations and actually understanding the different things between people from all the generations and understanding their goals and the things that are important to them because you can't just have a one-size-fits-all approach anymore to your workforce. Everybody wants and needs different things. So another very interesting topic and conversation. Maybe you could save that one for... Uh, another episode here, but yeah, you just sparked that thought. Yeah. I was in Reno for the um, Accounting and Financial Women's Alliance Conference recently and moderated a DEI panel where it, what was fascinating was not just the panelists, they had really great stories to tell and interesting information to share. But what happened is everybody in the audience started telling their own stories. And that was just incredible to hear You want to think that we've moved past some of this discrimination and bias and such like that. And you mentioned earlier about bias creeping into things. It's, it's there. We all have it. And I love the idea of, uh, and we actually mentioned this in a lot of our accounting move project snapshots and scorecards that go directly to firms is unconscious bias training for people that are conducting interviews is vital. Yeah. It's something that we don't even unconscious is used for a reason. You know, it's things that about how we were raised, about what we have grown up with, about media, all these different things impact how we see others and to recognize that they exist and to know where your biases may lie is the only way that you're ever going to be able to overcome them. So I think that is so important. And I'm so glad to hear that you're doing that. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I think what everyone has to understand too is that everything, you have to keep looking at your processes and your people all the time. Because just because you put something in place doesn't mean that it's going to work properly. Doesn't mean that things aren't going to change that you could do better in the future. You almost have to be in this constant state of evaluation and improvement to make sure that you're doing the best that you can. And, And like I said, in regards to DEIB, you know, I like to share my story of how I started getting involved in this and learned about this, but it's a learning process for me every day. I'm I'm learning more, paying attention to changes, 
You know, I remember, you know, seven years ago, the acronym was DNI, then it was DEI, now it's DEIB. So it's just an example of how things are continuing to grow and, and be more inclusive and, and uh, evolve over time. No, absolutely. Well, before we finish our conversation, I always like to ask a couple of just fun questions to get to know you a little bit better. So when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? So this is actually really funny. So my parents, my mom's a nurse and my dad always had um, a role within business. Um, And I knew probably from even younger than five that I wanted nothing to do with the medical field. I hated going to the doctor. I don't like anything that has to do with being in the hospital. I'm like, this is just not for me. But of course, with my dad, with uh, Take Your Daughter to Work Day, uh, I always loved sitting at his big desk and seeing, you know, the computer set up and the mug with coffee and all of that. And I just knew that I belonged in business. And I also always had a knack for numbers. So I kind of just was drawn to accounting for those reasons. And that's kind of where I saw myself. And while I didn't exactly you know, stick with my role in tax. I did stick with accounting as a whole. So I'm happy to say that 10 years in, I think I made the right choice. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I like that. Usually at five, you hear a lot of teachers or nurses or things like that. But I love the (laughs) fact that you kind of already knew where you wanted to go and and stayed the course. I sure did. So if you were given a chance to travel anywhere for free, didn't have to worry about time off or budget or anything, where would you go and why? Yes, another great question. So my husband and I were a COVID couple. We did get married in 2020. And while we took a small trip at the time, our honeymoon is still on our agenda. So I would have to say that I would love to go with him to Italy um, with with no time constraints and just spend as much time traveling all around there as much as we wanted. Uh, That's definitely, definitely first on my list and our list. I love that. And I'll tell you, I've been married much longer than you have, but my husband and I had planned to go to Italy for our honeymoon and wound up putting a down payment on a house instead, which was probably the better, certainly the most (laughs) responsible decision. And we finally went in 2019, right before the pandemic. Oh, so, um, I'm glad you made it. Good for you. Yes, <laughs> it was incredible. I just loved every little thing about Italy. So got as far south as Rome. So we want to go back again and do Southern Italy sometime. But I hope you're able to schedule that trip soon and take it yeah. and leisurely make your way through the country. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'm going to keep that good fortune with me and hope that we make it there next year. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? So I thought about this and I would have to say nothing like typical or cliche. I actually, I'm pretty good at math, but I would love to be able to do any math equation possible in my head. I know that's like a totally like nerdy superpower, but to me, I love numbers. I I love math. So that would have to be it for me. Oh, that's pretty cool. I can't do math hardly at all. (laughs) I have dyscalculia, dyscalculia. So I flip numbers uh, where people that flip letters. Uh, That's, that is very interesting. Yeah. I've known I always had trouble with numbers, but it was actually not all that long ago that I realized there was a term for it. I'm like, what? This this has been my life. So that way I could just come to you for any math. Yeah, there you go. You could come to me with all your math equations and I can just help you right out. (laughs) 
I love it. So thank you so much for being here, Ariana. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and also just learning much more about the culture at Grassy and really appreciate your time and look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, it's an honor to speak to you, to share some information about the firm and, and represent the firm in this way. And I look forward to being a part of more conversations in the future. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Resick, and until next time, keep moving forward.